Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Well, friends, any time that the church celebrates a Marian feast day, I am always at a loss for words. I struggle immensely on Marian feast days. It's not because I, I have nothing to say about this woman. It's because I have, I have too much to say about this woman. This, this woman, I love this woman so much. And whatever you love, you have a lot to say about. So I always struggle. What do I want to say about our Blessed Mother on this feast day today, the Immaculate Conception? Well, let's start with this. What are we even celebrating today on the Immaculate Conception? Where are my seventh graders? Because I was quizzing you yesterday. The Immaculate Conception is celebrating... Why? Give me something. When Mary was conceived. When Mary was conceived. There's a lot of Immaculate misconceptions about the Immaculate Conception. A lot of it has to do with the gospel that we always hear on this feast day, that we always have the Annunciation gospel proclaimed, which is when Jesus was conceived. Right, the Immaculate Conception is when Mary is conceived. Mary, who is conceived in Anne's womb, immaculately. What does that mean? The word immaculate means pristine, perfect, without blemish, gloriously beautiful. That the church has taught from the very beginning, the church has believed that Mary, from the very first moment of her existence, from the very first moment of her existence, was preserved from the stain of original sin, that she was preserved from the wound of original sin, that you and I are born with original sin, that it was as as if God reached forward into time and grabbed hold of the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the grace of Jesus, and he applied it to his mother before she was even conceived. From the very first moment of her life, she was conceived, she was saved, set apart. Now here's the question. Why? 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 Was she singled out? Why is she the, our tainted nature's only boast? Why is she the fairest rose? Why was she immaculately conceived? It's because of the mission that was proper to her. Several reasons. I'll give you three. The first is this. She was conceived immaculately because she was destined to be the new Eden. The new Eden. Say Eden. The new Eden. The new Eden. Go back to the book of Genesis. You see God creating everything out of nothing by the power of his word. Let there be light and there's light. Let there be water and there's water. Let there be birds and fish and beasts and creepy crawly things. Let it all come forth. He's creating this perfect paradise, which we call Eden. He called Eden. It's a perfect paradise, a garden of beauty beauty. And then you hear on the sixth day that God is going to make an image of himself in creation. He reaches as if he reaches into the soil, the perfect, pristine, beautiful soil of Eden, and he draws out from the soil this clump of dirt, and he fashions the dirt, it says, into the man, right? Adam is drawn forth from the soil of Eden. And Mary... Mary is to be the new Eden. She is destined to be the new garden. Because out of her, who comes forth from Mary? Who comes out of Mary? Jesus. 
If you go back to the book of Genesis, you have a, you've got the first Adam and the first Eden. And with Mary, you have a new Eden, which makes Jesus the new Adam. The new Adam. He's the, the start over of the human race. Everything begins anew with, with Jesus. He's the new Adam. So Mary is immaculately conceived because she was meant to be, destined to be the new Eden. Second reason. Mary was destined to be the new Ark of the Covenant. The new Ark of the Covenant. What's the Ark of the Covenant? Well, go back to the book of Exodus. God has delivered his people from slavery to Pharaoh. He leads them out of Egypt by powerful signs and wonders, all of these powerful miracles. He leads them through the Red Sea. It's split open in two. They cross through the Red Sea. And they come to Sinai, this beautiful big mountain. And God gives them the Ten Commandments. It says that God writes the Ten Commandments with his own finger onto these tablets made of stone. He writes the law with his finger into stone. The law made stone. And as they leave Sinai, they start wandering through the desert. And now you got to think, these Ten Commandments, are these special? Or are they just kind of like, who cares about those? They're special, right? Those are very, very special pieces of rock, right? God himself, with his finger, carved the law into the Ten Commandments. So you're not going to just like, I don't know, Chuck, where should we put these Ten Commandments? Ah, just throw them over there in the wagon, right? You're not going to do that to the Ten Commandments. You're going to put them in something very, very special. So God instructs Moses, build an ark. What is the ark? The ark is this wooden box. It's made out of a special kind of wood, and God instructs Moses, it has to be perfect and beautiful and pristine. It has to be covered on the outside with gold, and no one could touch it. So there were these poles. So people would carry it on these poles. And there were these two angels that were over the top of the ark. And what they put inside the ark, of course, was the Ten Commandments. It was a special container, a special vessel to hold the law that was inscribed in stone. But that was not the only thing that was inside the ark. There was something else. So as the people of Israel, they're wandering in the desert, going to the promised land, they get really hungry along the way. And God feeds them with miraculous bread. It's called manna bread. The manna bread comes down every morning. And they had to take some of the manna bread, this miraculous bread, and they had to put it into a jar, and that bread got put inside the ark. Now look at this. Now Mary is the new ark of the new covenant. The new ark. Just like the first ark, she's beautiful, perfect, pristine and inside of her it's not the word carved into stone it's the word made flesh say flesh the word made flesh God's not carving the word into stone he's carving the word he's putting the word Jesus into her very body into her womb and he calls himself in John's gospel he says I am the bread come down from heaven Right? Jesus points to himself and he says, if you eat this bread, he's pointing to himself, if you eat this bread, you will never die. Right? Jesus is the new living bread. Mary, in her womb, has the bread of life. She's like the oven, baking the bread of life. Anyone ever smell bed, bread baking in the oven? Does it smell good or bad? Real good, right? That's why Mary smells so good. She's baking the bread of life. She's the mystical oven cooking the mystical bread. Okay, so Mary, in her womb, has the word made flesh and the bread. She's in the new ark. 
Now here's the last reason. Here's the last reason we're going to go over this morning. Mary was immaculately conceived because she was destined, she was destined to defeat the enemy. She was destined to be the most powerful creature that God had ever made. She was destined to deal the death blow to the enemy. This is what we hear in the first reading. Listen to this. This is from, again, Genesis. So right after Adam and Eve disobey God, they eat the fruit and they hide. And God comes into the garden to address them. He's talking to them. And then God turns and he speaks to the serpent, the serpent who is the enemy, right? He says to the serpent, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. This word enmity, what does the word enmity mean? It means like hostility, rivalry, antagonism. It's essentially war. I will, there will be a war, God is saying, between the woman and the devil. The woman and the devil. And he says, her heel will crush your head. That the ultimate defeat of the enemy comes through the cooperation of the woman. The woman is the most powerful creature that God has made. This woman, our blessed mother, she's the most powerful creature that God has made. This is why, friends, this is why more than anybody else, more than anything else, the devil is most afraid of Mary. Yeah, it was St. Michael that threw Satan out of heaven, but he trembles before Mary. He flees before Mary. This is why you and I, this is why we have to have a relationship with this woman. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ and not know this woman. We have to have a relationship with this woman. If we're going to be followers of Jesus, we have to follow him. Where did he first go? Her womb. He first goes to her. He entrusts himself, the eternal son of God, entrusts himself to this woman. He entrusts himself to Mary. And for all those years in Nazareth, he was formed by her, under her watchful eye. He was formed by her love. He let himself be led by her. And then at the ultimate moment of his life, he's on the cross, right? He's about to hand over his spirit. He's about to die. And he looks to John, the beloved disciple, John who represents all of us, every disciple of Jesus that he would ever have throughout the centuries. He looks to John, and he looks at his mother, and he says, woman, behold your son, Son, behold your mother. That the ultimate gift that he gave us before he handed over his spirit was his mother. He saved the best for last. He saved the best for last. We have to have a relationship with this woman, this, this divine and heavenly mama. You know, Jesus didn't refer to Mary as blessed mother. He didn't call her Virgin Mother Mary. <laughs> he called her Mom because that's what she was. That's, what she, that's who she is. And that's who Jesus intends her to be for us. She's, we have a mother in heaven who is perfect, who loves us perfectly, protects us perfectly, prays for us perfectly. She always perfectly responds. Our mothers might not have done that. She perfectly responds. She's perfectly attuned, perfectly engaged, perfectly attentive. Friends, we have to have a relationship with this woman, the queen of heaven and earth. 
you know, when I was praying, I was, asking, I was asking Mary, what more than anything do you want your sons and daughters to know about you today? And what she said to me was, yes, I am, I am beautiful. I'm the most beautiful. Yes, I am radiant. I am pristine. I'm all of those things, yes. But remind them that I am powerful. That's who our mother is. That's who this queen is. She's powerful, and she wants to be powerful for you. So let's turn to her now. Let's ask her intercession as we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Bless her.